0: That's publichealthquestion at jhu.edu for future podcast episodes. Today, Stephanie Desmond brings back Kathleen Day, who has literally written the book on financial crises. They discuss the damage being done to the economy by the coronavirus pandemic and how a country with more than 16 million people unemployed can eventually turn itself around. This interview was recorded on April 13th. Let's listen.
1: I'm here today with Kathleen Day, a lecturer at the Johns Hopkins Carey School of Business. She's an expert on financial crises, and her new book is called Broken Bargain, which is a history of financial crisis in the United States. Thanks for joining me.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So we have actually talked before, and we talked a lot about the economy in the early weeks of the coronavirus crisis. Today, we're seeing a whole new landscape, even though it's only been about a month since we last spoke we are seeing at least 16.8 million americans a file for unemployment those are numbers we haven't seen in a very long time
2: and in 3 weeks that was in 3 weeks
1: right right so tell me um from your perspective how did we get here how are we going to get out of this
2: well the the bad news is that we're here the good news is that this is and what economists call an exogenous shock it wasn't something that Wall Street did that is so screwed up that it'll take years to dig out the way the last one crisis was. However, this crisis has, as I have said, exposed cracks in the system one of which is that consumers have more debt than they had at the height of the crisis a decade ago. So when they suddenly, if you lose your job and you're very indebted, that's not a good calculus. Same with the government. We have the biggest deficit we've ever had. That's not a good way to go into a downturn like this. And corporate debt. In the last 10 years, corporations have been ringing up debt, but in particular, very high risk debt. So people, business And if you have high risk debt, obviously, if you have any debt and you lose your job or you lose your sales, if you're a corporation and you can't pay it, that's not good. And it ripples through the economy. So we have people, companies and the government way overly indebted. So it's not a it it means that everybody has less room to move and get out of this. The good news is. That once this is done and people can go back, I, th- I predict things will happen very quickly. People are dying to get their hair cut. People are dying to get their, <laughs> to go into the office. They will be happy to go back to the dry cleaners and the local pizza place. People will be very happy to start to get, go back to work and have a paycheck and spend some money. The bad news is so many people are living from check to check, they have little room to go without money for a very long time.
1: And I wonder if that's—is that a lot of that because we are such a service economy here in the United States? Well, we're a service economy, but we also don't have
2: a, a safety net. We're not giving people, many people, a working wage. And when you think of the service economy, uh, the Fed, some Federal Reserve Board economists just came out with a study that said a third of jobs in the United States can be done remotely. That's it. So three fourths can't. Now. Many of those, the three-fourths, so the 75% that can't be done remotely, or 66%, um, they can't be done remotely. Some of those can't be done at all. You, you, Again, the dry cleaner, I bet lots of people are not dry cleaning their clothes. You can't really go get a haircut, much to my, I uh, wish I could. Um, um, so... Those jobs are gone. The other jobs are vulnerable, because many of them, if you're, if, if you're moving things around in a warehouse at Amazon, if you are um, delivering or collecting groceries, some of that stuff can be automated. So I bet a lot of those jobs are vulnerable. So they're not, they're not great jobs that pe- people, there's the working poor, people who are working but still living check to check. And therefore, any economic disruption, especially one this big.
1: Has enormous consequences. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking about that unemployment number, which is actually expected to grow. Well, the 16.7,
2: almost 17 million people that lost their job in the last three weeks, to put that in context, I have seen estimates and probably they're lowballed because collecting economic data. Is never fa- it's never that easy, but especially at times like this. But people are estimating that we're in the teens, the double-digit uh, double unemployment rate, so 15, 14 to 16%. To put that in perspective, at the height of the uh, last crisis a decade ago, the mortgage crisis, it was 10%. Although, in fairness, in some pockets around the country, it was in the teens, um, and some people never recovered. But overall, it was 10%. Right now, the old people are estimating maybe 14, 16. During the Great Depression, it was 25%. Some people have said, we are easily going to rival that. But again, I do think we're into this very quickly, and I think we can get out of it quickly. The question is what, how many people will be hurt in the interim and how badly.
1: Which brings me sort of to the stimulus that was passed by Congress recently. Uh, the number is enormous, but at the same time, for example, I know that people will be getting one-time stimulus checks about $1,200 a person. So how much does that help? And how could we be doing it differently slash better?
2: Well, people don't need a one-time pay- a check. That's helpful. Obviously, they'll take it. And maybe they can pay some of their rent and some groceries. But what people need is an ongoing source of income to tide them over. So I have my, one of my favorite local pizza places here in Washington, they, the people who own it, made a decision that they were going to close and give their employees. That would enable their employees to get unemployment insurance, which means that they have a regular check at least for a while. And they took the personal sacrifice of closing the restaurants so that their employees could have that. That is what people need: is a regular source of income to tide them over. So one of the cracks in our system that this crisis has exposed is that many people are not earning a, a real, many of the working poor aren't really earning a working wage, a livable wage. And uh, people are very much over their heads in debt. They are have a trillion dollars, consumers have a trillion dollars more in debt than they had during the a ten, uh, crisis 10 years ago. And there's no safety net for health care. And, and yet we have this deficit that is higher than it's ever been. I mean, whatever happened to the Republicans and fiscal responsibility? So this crisis would be bad, no matter what would have been bad, no matter what, and it is bad. But it's exposed some cracks in our system that hopefully people will think more about when we're out of this.
1: So what should be, I know they're talking about a new stimulus package. In your opinion, what should be in that stimulus?
2: Well, a way for people, I'm not, and now, and I'm not, I I don't want to go into the details because I have not looked at in detail what they're proposing and it changes. But clearly they are acting too slowly and it's too little. And I think it may be the wrong prescription in that it is these one time, this will tide you over type of uh, proposal. So those are better than nothing, and it may be all people can get. But again, getting a regular check. There was a program to help small businesses that's gotten all bollixed up with red tape. Again, the, these need to be administered. It, it, you would think, given how technologically advanced we are in the United States, and we invented a lot of this stuff, that you would hope that we you would have hoped we would have been better at delivering emergency money more artfully and more and and quicker and and using using our technology to uh for good but but it's not so it's better than nothing but i think i think what we need to think about is is more After this, how can you have a safety system that could be put in place more quickly, more effectively, more efficiently that would help people? You know, there's a debate right now, and then there's all kinds of debates that are getting lost in the shuffle. Uh, Do we give money to airlines, uh, which airline executives have spent the last decade using their excess cash? to buy back stock, which is not really good for any, uh, it's not that good, typically, to buy back stock. Sometimes it can be a good thing, but it's not too often, and it looks like it was the case here. Executives do it to make boost the stock price, which will help their them get their compensation and their bonuses, and yet they want st- stuff from the stimulus package that they don't have to repay. That's not fair. What's up with that? So there's all kinds of you know, corners and nooks and crannies of the stimulus package that really need some more um, focus and some sunshine shown on it. So we make sure that the right people are getting the money, and this doesn't end up to be crony capitalism, where it's friends of the people in charge, (laughs) or the industries uh, of the people in the industry um, who are friends of the people in charge.
1: I know one concern is that when the economy reopens, there may be nowhere to go. I mean, I know that I, if we, the other night we tried to order takeout because to support the economy and the first three places we called didn't answer their phones.
2: So. Ah, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Uh, hopefully people are resourceful that individuals are resourceful, even if sometimes the government isn't. <laughs> um, and the government it, the, the, right now doesn't always seem to know what it's doing, um, the federal government. But I think people are very resourceful, and people will be very sympathetic to people coming back to restart up things, even if it's on a shoestring and it's not quite what it was before. People, I think, will be very forgiving. They'll be so delighted to be able to go out to be able to, to support uh, businesses. So I think, I, I think we can get started very quickly. The question is, again, how much, as you say, how much damage has been done permanently? How much damage can people recover from? And that's especially true with small businesses. Or even large. We're going to be seeing a lot of bankruptcies. We're going to be seeing a lot of corporate bankruptcy, uh, business bankruptcies, and individual bankruptcies. I think others who are more expert in that have predicted that. And I believe that. And that seems to be true in every crisis and uh, downturn. And certainly, this is a significant downturn. Uh, We won't see those numbers for a while though. I mean, the first thing that happens when you have to shutter your business on, just turn on a dime as everyone had to do and suddenly stay home. They may not be rushing out to file, but they will file. So those numbers will come later.
1: So being an expert in financial crisis, what are you seeing here that you feel like you're really learning? Well, this is
2: a good example of, as I said, an external shock that is no one's fault. It's just happening, and we all have to adjust, and very quickly, the question is what we do with it, because in the 80s, there was a big banking crisis, which was the biggest crisis before the one 10 years ago. Uh, It required a $500 billion taxpayer bailout, and the reason that was so expensive, even though it was an external set of circumstances that triggered the banking crisis, oil shocks, uh, this uh, sudden uptick in oil prices, and other things, what the government and industry's reaction to it turned it into a man-made crisis that was 10 times more expensive to fix than it would have been. That's what I'm watching now. I am seeing all these regulations. One of the things that the current federal administration is doing is encouraging banks to give payday loans. What that means is loans that people can't afford to pay back That's a ridiculous policy and is only going to hobble people who already are financially vulnerable. So there's lots of policies that are being encouraged in this crisis for individuals in particular that are not only not helpful, but mostly are going to help some industries that I don't think are very nice industries like the payday industry make money, uh, at a t- they're going to make money off of other people's woes. And uh, they're particularly, they particularly focus the payday industry on the military, which is really unconscionable. They, they target uh, military families often with payday loans or car title lending. And, it, and, and the
1: current administration is encouraging that. Well, Kathleen Day, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to Public Health On Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Please send questions to be covered in future podcasts to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. This podcast is produced by Josh Sharfstein, Lindsay Smith-Rogers, and Lamare Morales. Audio production by Niall Owen McCusker and Spencer Greer, with support from Chip Hickey. Distribution by Nick Moran. Thank you for listening.